Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It is the truth. And so we pre-submit to your truth. Come and speak to us, Lord, and we will hear and obey. Lord, comfort us, challenge us, encourage us. We need to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We have been studying the book of Isaiah this summer. And one of the key themes in Isaiah is justice. Justice matters to God. Recognizing, honoring the image of God and our fellow man, treating them fairly. When we see someone who is disadvantaged, we are uh, lending them a hand up. God cares about justice. God wants his people doing justice. Now, one of the reasons that God boots Israel out of the promised land, one of the reasons for the exile, one of the primary reasons Isaiah gives for the exile is the lack of justice in the land. It grieves God. It angers God that his people don't care about their neighbors. And as a result, he says, you are, you're out of the promised land. You need to learn. And they were gone for 70 years. Well, today I want to talk about justice. I want to talk specifically about racial justice. There's a lot of tension, racial tension in our country right now. There's a lot of talk about racial justice, and that's good. But I'm concerned. I'm concerned that there are competing visions of justice, and there are people who are talking justice whose vision for justice and methods for pursuing justice don't match God's. Tim Keller uh, wrote an article called, uh, titled Sec uh, Biblical Critique of Secular Justice Theories. In fact, I sent this article out to our church this week, and if you didn't get it and you want it, just, again, let me know. Give me your contact information. It was an excellent article. A little bit, uh, a little bit heady, but worth the read. And in this article, Tim Keller says that Christians are making two mistakes right now in regard to racial justice. And the first mistake is that uh, is not understanding that doing justice is fundamental to our calling as Christians. He said there are some Christians out there who say, well, doing justice is... That's what God calls some Christians to do. But that's not what he's called me to do. Or they say, doing justice is, you know, ancillary to the Christian life. It's not central to the Christian life. And so that's why I preached last week on Isaiah chapter 58. And we saw in Isaiah 58 that God absolutely wants his people to be doing justice. If you are a Christian... God has called you to be doing justice wherever you find people in need, where you find people disadvantaged, no matter what the reason, God calls us to be lifting people up, giving them a hand up. We are absolutely called as Christians to do justice. It's every Christian's calling. It is central to our calling. Let's be doing justice. That was last week. The second uh, mistake Keller says that Christians are making right now. And he said, I, I see this a lot with younger Christians, uh, Christians who are not yet grounded in the word of God. 
They care about justice. They know that God cares about justice. Um, But because they don't have a biblically informed vision of justice, they are adopting secular visions of justice. And the problem with that is they can inadvertently be actually working at cross purposes with God. Now, when believers don't have a biblically informed vision of justice, whose fault is that? Well, as church leaders, we've got to take responsibility for that. Um, and we, we need to do a better job. And so, in fact, next week, Pastor James is going to spend the entire sermon outlining a biblical picture of justice, because this is important. This is necessary. Martin Luther King Jr., in his letter from the Birmingham jail written in 1963, called the church to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. A thermostat, not a thermometer. Listen to this. He writes, There was a time when the church was very powerful. In the time when the early Christians rejoiced at being deemed worthy to suffer for what they believed. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. It was a thermostat that transformed the mores of society. What a powerful image. Martin Luther King Jr. is calling us to something good here. It's not okay for us to just be a thermostat reflecting the culture in which we live because the culture in which we live is secular. And if anything, it is increasingly out of touch and out of step with the heart of God. And how tragic it would be if somebody came along and they took my spiritual temperature or your spiritual temperature or the spiritual temperature of Clearwater Church and said, yep, uh, you reflect the culture in which you live. You have the same values as the society around you. You have the same aspirations. You have the same prejudices, the same relationship to money, the same. That would be tragic. That would be tragic. Instead, God wants his people to be a thermostat. Thermostats don't just measure temperature, they set temperature. And God wants his church to be raising the spiritual temperature in society. He wants us to raise the spiritual temperature in our families, raise in our, in our classrooms, in our schools, in our businesses, in, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, and in our world. You want to be a thermometer or a thermostat? You want to be a thermostat. And that, that relates to racial justice. God cares about racial justice. He has a vision for racial justice. He has a rationale for racial justice. By the way, that rationale is the fact that all people are created in the image of God. Doesn't matter the color of your skin. You're a human, you're created in the image of God. Doesn't matter if you're male or female. You're a human, you're created in the image of God. Doesn't matter if you're young or old. It doesn't matter if you're disabled or healthy. Doesn't matter whether you're educated or uneducated, wealthy or poor. If you're a human, you're created in the image of God and you have value. In fact, you have inestimable worth and your value is as great as any other human's value. That's the rationale for racial justice Racial equality, 
is the image of God. All people are equal, and all people, because they bear the image of God, are worthy of respect, and they're worthy of rescue. God's vision for racial justice is the correct vision. It's the beautiful, beautiful vision, and he calls us to it. He wants us to be leading. He wants Christian people to be on the forefront of promoting racial justice in America. He does not want us to, to forfeit that leadership. Now, Tim Keller goes on to talk about the fact that there are competing visions of justice uh, circulating in society right now, and in fact, dominating the conversation. And he talks about the four main secular justice theories in America. And they're secular because they don't start with God. They don't start with God. They assume we live in a completely naturalistic worldview. And so their vision of justice comes uh, apart from God. And as a result, they are all flawed. They're all flawed and they are, they're not as beautiful as God's picture and rationale for justice. But when we don't know God's picture for justice, if, we're not, if our vision for justice is not rooted in the word of God, then we're in danger of being influenced by and maybe even adopting a secular view of justice, a flawed view of justice. Here are the, here are the four. I, I'm not... I wish you would read this article because he does a, a really good job going into depth. I'm going to just be quick. Uh, the first um, secular justice theory uh, that is influencing America is libertarianism. Libertarianism, its big word is freedom. And a just society is a society that provides maximum freedom for individuals. And so libertarians believe you need to have small government, very few laws, as, as little um, limitation on people's freedom as possible, that's justice. Okay, the second secular justice theory that's influential in America is called liberalism. And the, the buzzword for liberalism, it's equity. A just society is an equitable society. Uh, and in fact, the more, the, the more economic equality educational equality, health equality. The more equality, the more just the society. And by the way, you got to understand this. A, your, your vision of justice often helps define for you what is right and wrong, what is righteousness. And so for uh, a, a liberal, then reallocation, right, taking from those who have and redistributing wealth and... and um, opportunity, that is, those are righteous acts, those are just acts because of their vision of justice. The third uh, form of uh, secular justice theory that's influential, it's not super influential right now in America, and that, that's utilitarianism, and its big word is happiness. And a just society provides maximum happiness for the, max, for the most amount of people. And so what is good for the majority, that's what is good. And so if that's your vision of justice, that means sometimes you have to sacrifice the few for the sake of the many, and that would be a righteous act. 
the, the fourth, and I would say it is maybe the dominant, it's definitely growing massively in uh, influence in our society. The fourth secular justice theory is postmodernism or critical theory. And its word is power. It's all about power. And a just society takes power away from those who have it or the dominant, and they redistribute it to those who are oppressed, those who don't have power. And so what is just or what is righteous? What it, anything that you do that helps redistribute power. And so if you have to smash some buildings and you have to go looting and you have to create a revolution and you've got to, right? You've, people who have power aren't going to give it up willingly, so you have to go take it by force. But that's a righteous thing to do because you're pursuing justice. So it's, it's no mistake that the Bible, like in Isaiah, Isaiah has three big buzzwords, justice, righteousness, and truth. And those things are all wrapped up. And so these secular justice theories all have elements of truth in them. The parts of them you read and you say, yes, I agree with that. But because they are secular, because they don't start with God, because they are not informed by the word of God, they are all critically flawed. And so as Christians, here's, I, I want to caution you about uncritically simply adopting secular visions of justice. Because if you do that, you will inadvertently, you will inadvertently introduce unrighteousness into society. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 59. I'm only going to look at two verses today, Isaiah chapter 59, and we're looking at verse 14 and 15. Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public squares, and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking. And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him, and there was no justice. Now, this is a picture of Israel in the time of Isaiah. It's the reason God removed his people from the promised land, because justice and righteousness were excluded from society because truth had stumbled. Now, this is a picture of, of Israel in Isaiah's day, but it's a picture of America. You cannot read this without seeing America in 2020. Let me read it again. Justice is turned back. That means that justice is trying to enter our society and forces within society turn it back. You are not welcome. Righteousness stands far away. Why is righteousness standing far away? Because righteousness knows it's not welcome. For truth has stumbled in the public squares. It starts with truth stumbling. Truth is lacking. So here's the, here's the way it goes. The way it goes is a people no longer look to the word of God for direction. They no longer recognize the word of God as a source of authority 
and insight and guidance. They remove the Bible from the public square. Truth stumbles. Truth is lacking. And listen, justice and righteousness, true justice and righteousness are informed by and flow out of the word of God. Is, has truth stumbled in America? It absolutely has. <clears throat> you go to a public school. You go to a, a public university. Are you going to hear a professor appeal to the Bible as a source of authority or a source of truth? Probably not. When you listen to, uh, you're watching the news and you're watching all of the commentators debate policy and, and right moves, do they ever refer to the Bible as a source of, of insight and guidance and authority? Do politicians do it anymore? Now, when I was a kid, it happened a little bit. It seems to happen virtually never. And make no mistake, Isaiah is talking about, when he says truth, he's, he's not talking about scientific truth. He's talking about the truth of the word of God. There are things that we cannot know apart from divine revelation. How do you know that all humans are created in, in the image of God? You will not discover that with the scientific method. By probing the natural world. You know that only because God has revealed it to us in his word. How do you know that humans have inestimable worth? Because the Bible tells us. How do you know that some things are right and some things are wrong? And certain ways that we're to treat other people. Please the Lord and others don't. Not because we figure it out. It's because God has spelled it out in his word. And when we as, as, a, as a society... Remove the word of God, so goes the rationale for justice and the vision for justice that is bound up with righteousness. And so, God is absolutely about racial justice and equality that matters to him. He wants his people promoting it. But you know what? I, do, I, I, I despair of having a justice revival apart from a spiritual revival in our country. We're not going to become an increasingly secular com com uh, country and as a result, and at the same time become an increasingly righteous and just nation. It will not happen. We desperately need spiritual revival. But that doesn't mean that we just sit on our hands and despair and do nothing. No. We need to be out there. And we need, to be, um, we need to be leading in the, in the charge toward justice, racial justice. <clears throat> I want to give a, an illustration that is probably touching all of our lives right now about how, and, and I'm, trying to, I'm using this to illustrate how um, thoughtful we have to be, how critical we have to be as Christians to not just adopt secular visions of, of justice. Because if we do, we can inadvertently introduce unrighteousness uh, into our society. So, black lives matter. I am sure every Christian in the country has wrestled to some degree whether or not to support black lives matter. Black lives matter, that statement, that truth, 
full-throated endorsement as Christians. We say, absolutely, we agree. Black lives matter. Hallelujah. We are 100% there. But then there is the Black Lives Matter movement, which now is called the Black Lives Matter Global Network. So you go to blacklivesmatter.com. You can go to the click We Believe, and then they articulate their vision of justice, some of which is great, and as Christians we can support. And other, other parts of their vision is actually working at cross-purposes with God. And we, we can't, we have to be thoughtful and careful. Let me illustrate. So this is from the blacklivesmatter.com website under the We Believe. We are committed to struggling together and to imagining and creating a world free of anti-blackness where every black person has the social, economic, and political power to thrive. And as Christians, we say, absolutely. 100% endorse that. I'm with you. Continue reading. We are self-reflexive and do the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege. What's that mean? Well, cisgender means somebody who is cisgender is a person whose uh, identity, gender identity, matches their physical body. So my body is male. I view myself as a male. Think of myself as a male. I am therefore cisgender. If your body is female and you think of yourself as a female, you are cisgender. And they are working to dismantle cisgender privilege. Uh, And we as Christians, we cannot be a part of that because we understand from the Bible that spiritual health, emotional health, comes about when the way you think of yourself matches the way God has created you. And when so if God stamps male on your body, then you're healthiest and happiest when you think of yourself as male, and, uh, et cetera. And so we're, we absolutely can't support dismantling cisgender privilege. The Bible absolutely uh, disagrees with that. We go on. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family. Well, it's not just Western prescribed, it's Bible's prescribed. Adam and Eve, they had children. A husband or man will leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. The nuclear family is God-ordained. He designed it. So we, can, we absolutely can't be working to disrupt the nuclear family. And then they go on, one more thing. We foster a queer-affirming network. It's one thing to be tolerant of and to accept people. But they said, when we gather... We do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking. Can we support that? No. The Bible says that heterosexuality is God's design and it is healthy. And so there's no doubt that they view the biblical teaching on sexuality as as helping to create that tight grip on heteronormative thinking. We can't support this. So my point is this. Here we have have an organization 
that says Black Lives Matter. We agree with that. They claim that they are, are working toward racial justice and, and, and aspects of that we are absolutely in support of. But they have, because they have a secular, they're working from a secular justice theory. In fact, they're working from the postmodern justice theory. Absolutely. That's, that's their basis. Their, parts of their vision are actually um, at, at odds with the vision that God gives us in the Bible. And so I am just encouraging you, challenging you to be a critical thinker. Make sure that you, uh, that you, you partner yourself with p- other people who have the same God-given vision and methodology for pursuing justice. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself inadvertently working at cross-purposes with the Lord and grieving Him. Let me hit four takeaways. Number one, do justice. Do racial justice. With regard to racial justice in America, Christians should be doing two things. Number one, seeking to overturn some tables, overturn attitudes of of racism. If we see laws that are disadvantaging black and brown people, work to change those laws. If we see structures or systems that are disadvantaging black and brown people, work to overturn them. So that's kind of the, the, the negative. Looking for, uh, looking for systems that, that are holding um, black and brown people down, disadvantaging them, seek to take away those, um, those obstacles, those injustices. And the second one is, is a positive, proactive, or positive, which is give a hand up. Give a hand up. If you see uh, black and brown people who are disadvantaged, if you're white, you, you seek to lift them up. And that might be that you, sim- as simple as offering a tutoring or something else. Um, so, and I say that because of some statistics. Listen to these statistics. 44% of black families own their own home. And that is compared to 73.7% of white families. And that makes a real difference because it, it tends to lead to, uh, to wealth, family wealth. In 2015, the last year for which I could find a statistic... 22.5% of African Americans had a bachelor degree or higher compared to 32.8% of white Americans. And so the economic, I'm sorry, educational disparity. And then incarceration, and this is from 2018, last time I could find statistics. Listen to this. <clears throat> In 2018, 2,272 black men out of every 100,000 black men was incarcerated, as opposed to 392 white men out of 100,000 white men. That's six times as many. Now, I don't think that the the statistics are a result of um, a bunch of people with you know, violent prejudice in their heart or bad apple police officers or, or um, 
school presidents, etc. But it doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter. Well, it does because we need we need to try to understand what's causing the disparity, and if it's systemic, we need to work to to deal with it. If it's attitudes, we need to work to deal with it. But remember last week. Last week we said when we see a brother and sister of any color who is disadvantaged, we want to give them a hand up. We want to help lift them up. That's what God calls us to do. And so personally, here's my, uh, this has been good for me as a pastor to um, be be forced after the whole, after George Floyd killing, George Floyd killing, and all the turmoil that's come for me to think more deeply than I ever have about these topics. And at my first thought was to ask, well, are there laws that are, you know, kind of like the, uh, the discrimination laws of the 60s? Um, where is there systemic in- injustice? Can I see it? And, but I moved from that, and that's important. But then I moved to being asking the question, you know, where is there where is there disparity or disadvantage, and can I be a proactive help there? And I had a little bit harder time in the first category, um, identifying things clearly. In the second category, it's, there's just lots of opportunity to help out, um, our, help out our neighbor. So, number one, do justice. Number two, Root your vision of justice in the Bible. Understand that there are competing visions of justice, secular-based visions of justice that are flawed. They're always flawed, fatally flawed, and the Christian needs to be thoughtful and don't just adopt, uh, you know, don't just follow somebody who says, hey, I'm pursuing justice because uh, there are a lot of people out there using biblical words that matter to us and we have our our own understanding, and they don't have the same definition and understanding. So we need to root our vision of justice in the Bible so that we are actually pursuing what it is that God wants pursued. Number three, be careful when partnering with unbelievers in the pursuit of justice. Don't, it doesn't mean don't partner, just be careful. Be careful that you don't inadvertently support unrighteousness. So I want to, I already, I, I said... Actually, I said, if you didn't hear me, I said clearly, I don't believe Christians should be partnering with Black Lives Matter Global Network. Uh, If you do that, if you give them money, if you are uh, partnering in their full agenda, then you are inadvertently going to be uh, working to bring unrighteousness into society. You're working at cross purposes of the Lord. Don't do it. Rather, let me suggest to you that you... Uh, get involved in the Equal Justice Initiative that was started by Brian Stevenson. That that is uh, that is an organization rooted in biblical in a biblical portrait of justice. And then finally, uh, spiritual revival will always produce racial justice. And so, hey, uh, not to say this exclusive, but man, when. When people's hearts are invaded by the gospel, God begins to up, uproot racism in, in our hearts and replace it with love and respect for our fellow man and seeing the image of God in them and wanting to honor that. And so 
pray for and work toward spiritual revival because it will produce a more just and righteous society. Let me go back to Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther King Jr. in the 60s, he rooted his call for justice in the Bible. If you, if you read his works, go read the letter from the Birmingham jail. It, he is a pastor. He's a Christian pastor. He uh, is filled with the Holy Spirit, knows, loves the Word of God. He is rooting, the, he is rooting his uh, call to justice, his vision to just, uh, for justice in the Word of God. Therefore, it had moral authority and good things happened as a result. I am concerned that right now a lot of the uh, current leaders um, pressing for racial justice are because they're not rooting, rooting their call, their vision, their rationale in the word of God, it's not going to produce uh, as healthy a result. It might produce an unhealthy result. And so this is a, this is a call for God's people to step forward and be out there in front leading with God's vision for justice and God's rationale for justice. We desperately need that. God might be calling you to that. God bless. Let's pray. Lord, your word, light unto our feet, lamp unto our path. Every time we are faced with with a significant question of righteousness, justice, what is good, what is best. Lord, we go to your word, we think deeply about your word, and you provide guidance. Thank you, Lord, that you have spoken on racial justice. Thank you that it starts with you. It starts from, from your heart, Lord. You have a vision for it. You have a rationale for it. You have the power to make, bring it about through your Holy Spirit, through your people, the church. Lord, would you give us courage, wisdom, and boldness to go do it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.